Welcome. You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Greetings, Haddington Elam Church. Pastor Mike has given me the privilege to share the word with you today. I hope that you're well, and I hope that you're enjoying the new privileges that we've recently be given, been given as lockdown restrictions are being lifted. Now, it's only June, and in the span of this year, the world has experienced difficulties like never before in my lifetime. We're still battling through the COVID-19 pandemic, economic devastation, and now worldwide rioting. I want to talk to you this morning about something that eventually follows every major tragedy and catastrophe, and that is the development of conspiracy theories. 2020 is prime time for conspiracy theorists. To be clear, what is a conspiracy exactly? A conspiracy is defined by Webster as a plan secretly devised to accomplish an evil or treacherous end. Some synonyms for the word conspiracy are plot, scheme, collusion, and connivance. There have been several conspiracies over the last several decades. Some have turned out to be true. Not all conspiracies are false, mind you. However, some are absolutely ridiculous. I read a news article recently on a website called The Week that talked about some of the strange theories that are out there. For example, the earth is constantly changing. First it was flat, now it's hollow. Paul McCartney is dead, but Elvis is alive. There are many conspiracies and stories surrounding the royal family. The most bizarre that I read was that Prince Charles is a vampire and Meghan Markle is a robot. Apparently someone believes that. Area 51 is hiding UFOs and aliens. In fact, there are endless conspiracies about the U.S. government, including those surrounding the moon landing, JFK's assassination, the 9-11 attack, and stories about all the mass shootings and bombings that have been happening over the past years. So, it's no surprise that there are new conspiracy theories cropping up about the coronavirus pandemic which has been cause for concern for people in regards to not following the medical advice that has been given. These events and the various conspiracy theories surrounding them are causing plenty of concern, confusion, and distress to people worldwide. Now, I have read about one other conspiracy theory in this article that I had mentioned earlier that I've never thought of before, I've never heard of before, It's called the Grand Unified Conspiracy Theory. And what what it is, is that the various evil plots taking place on their own are not sufficient to explain the sustained malevolence of our world. But the theory is, the Grand Unified Conspiracy Theory is, that all of these events are orchestrated by a single evil entity that each one is a manifestation of a combined effort. Hmm, does that sound familiar at all? 
I have been saying this to my husband for months. There is a conspiracy. There is an evil conspiracy. But the leader isn't the reptilian elite, the Illuminati, some advanced alien race, or Bill Gates. First off, I want to premise this by sharing a verse with you and reminding you that we serve God Almighty. We do not need to fear. We also don't want to lose our peace because we're listening to all these unproven stories that are causing stress in many people's lives. In Isaiah 8, 12, it says, You are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. Now I'd like to share some truth with you today, straight from the Word of God, and tell you about this evil conspiracy that I mentioned that was crafted thousands of years ago. In the Bible, in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, this is Jesus speaking, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The context of this is Jesus telling the parable of the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. But there is an enemy, there is a wolf, who tries to destroy the sheep. Remember what we said that conspiracy means. It's a plan secretly devised to accomplish an evil or treacherous end. There is an enemy of our souls who is out to steal, to kill, and destroy. There is a hitman, a contract, taken out on humanity with an enemy who is organized and crafty. There was a plan devised to accomplish an evil or treacherous end, and it first affected mankind all the way back in the garden. Adam and Eve were deceived by a scheme by the serpent that brought death and sin into the world. In Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? We all know what happened next. The woman was deceived. She ate the fruit. And so did her husband, Adam. She thought it would taste good, it looked delicious, and she wanted the knowledge it would give her. There were consequences to that sin. They were made to leave the garden. Sin and death entered the world. And God said this to the serpent in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So what is enmity exactly? It's a conflict, a war. Specifically in the original language, it's a blood feud. And who is this offspring of the serpent? The offspring of the serpent is those who are wicked, who do wicked, and the devil and his angels. The Bible describes those who are not part of the kingdom of God as being of their father the devil in John 8.44. The verse says this, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, 
and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so let's take a look at who the offspring or the seed of the woman is. It's described in scripture as coming through Abraham. In Galatians 3.16, it says this, The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and two seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. From that day in the garden, this serpent has been plotting against mankind, made in the image of God. However, we need not fear. This scripture in Genesis is also the first indicator that God already had a plan in place to rectify the problem of sin and death, and for this salvation for humanity to come through his own son, Jesus Christ. Satan may have bruised his heel by way of a time of suffering on earth and by attempting to afflict Christ's followers, but Christ has already defeated the enemy and has taken back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So we understand that God is all-powerful. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd and the door and the gate to the sheepfold. So how does the enemy steal, kill, and destroy? How are we susceptible and what should we be doing about this? The enemy cannot come straight through the gate, but like a wolf, he would try to sneak in to steal and destroy the sheep. There are multiple times through the Bible when the enemy has plotted against God's people to try to destroy the offspring of the woman. He conspired many times. In fact, I looked, I just kind of Googled the word Bible conspiracies, and there were more than 30 scriptures in the Bible, several different stories of times of conspiracies that were happening against God's people. During the time of Moses, the babies were being destroyed by Pharaoh. God miraculously saved Moses when his brave mother put him in a basket that was discovered by Pharaoh's daughter who raised him. He then led the Israelites, those who worshiped God, out of slavery in Egypt. During the time of Esther, a decree had been made to destroy the Jewish people, and Esther, who had become queen, risked her life by approaching the king unsummoned in order to save God's people. If you enjoy investigating conspiracy stories like I know many people secretly do, I encourage you to look no further than the Bible. There are many conspiracies that took place against God's people, as I had mentioned. A few more examples are Absalom's, Absalom's conspiracy against David. Daniel was conspired against and thrown into a lion's den. Delilah cons conspired against Samson, and Joseph's brothers conspired against him. The ultimate goal of this destructive scheme of the enemy was to destroy God's plan to redeem humanity. When Christ was born, King Herod made a declaration that all Hebrew babies under the age of two should be killed in an effort to destroy the coming king and savior of the world. This conspiracy against Jesus continued during his ministry. In Matthew 12, 14, 
it says, But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. Jesus Christ suffered and died. The religious leaders conspired against him, and the enemy enticed Judas, his disciple, to betray him. But Jesus rose from the grave and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. It was God's plan to redeem mankind, to save us from the penalty of sin, and to provide a way, through our belief in Jesus Christ, our faith in God, to have a place in eternity with him. The conspiracy continues against the followers of Christ. In Acts 23.12, it says this, When it was day, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. And the devil didn't stop conspiring against God's people and humanity made in the image of God at this time. He is still at work trying to steal, kill, and destroy during his limited time that he has before he's cast for eternity in the lake of fire. You can see this serpent's fingerprints at times when you look at history. There have been genocides of God's people, persecution of Christians, which continues in many places today. There's an attack on religious freedom and Christian principles worldwide. There are organized worldwide attacks against all of humanity and God's people in particular. Sometimes the attacks of the enemy are not as obvious in our lives individually. Sometimes they're subtle attacks. Sometimes it's an attempt to deceive or cause you to question the word of God. Like even the garden, surely you won't die if you eat the fruit. And also like Eve, all of us have sinned or disobeyed God or fallen short of his perfect standard at some point. And many people are living under guilt shame, or condemnation. Many are in bondage, trapped in a snare that the devil has tempted us with and don't know how to escape. Let's take a closer look at some of his tactics. The devil is called the tempter. In Matthew 4, it describes how Jesus was tempted by Satan three times in the wilderness. The first was for bread or many people describe it in the area of the lust of the flesh. It could be also looked at as this is, was being tempted in the area of physical cravings. We're also tempted in these specific areas of physical cravings for comfort or pleasure in different forms, like excessive food, alcohol, or sexual sin. The second time that Jesus was brought to the pinnacle of the temple and tempted Satan tempted him to throw himself off so that the angels would rescue him. This would be a demonstration of his position and significance, or sometimes it's called the pride of life. We can be tempted as well to find significance in our positions as well. The third time he was, he was tempted, with all of the kingdoms he could see or the lust of the eyes, so this would be a lust for material things. And we also are tempted to find our value, our security in material possessions. Maybe the house that we have, the car that we drive, 
clothes that we wear or investments or money that we have. But also like Jesus, we can choose to not give into these temptations to attempt to fill the needs in our lives for God with these other things. Let's try to learn a lesson from Eve. Her focus was on the benefits the fruit could offer her. She said that it tasted good, that it looked good, and that it could give her wisdom. But when Jesus was tempted, he did something different. He didn't focus on the temporal benefits that these things could offer him potentially. He kept bringing the focus back to the scripture, to the word of God. And that's how he responded to these temptations. Another ploy that the enemy uses is deceit. He's called the deceiver of the brethren. If someone is deceived, they're caused to believe something that's not true. And the difficult thing is that by definition, they believe it is true. And so it can be very hard for them to receive and walk in the truth. There's a Christian author called Nancy Lee DeMoss who wrote a book called Lies Women Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free. I recommend it. She discusses 40 common lies and then debunks them with the truth from God's word. When we believe lies, they can keep us from living the abundant lives that Christ has provided for us. Here are a couple of the examples from the book. They're all reinforced by scripture. One is, God is not really good. The truth is that God is good and everything he does is good. Another example, I cannot walk in consistent victory over sin. The truth is, by God's grace and through the finished work of Christ on the cross, I can experience victory over sin. A third example is, God can't forgive what I have done. The truth is, the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cover any and every sin I have committed. Many people talk about strongholds as something mysterious. But to simplify what this is, and to tell you how to tear it down or remove it, it's this. The Bible describes a stronghold as anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. If you're setting something up against the truth, you are believing something that is not the truth. Or simply put, you are believing a lie that is preventing you from living the abundant life that God has provided for you. So I want to encourage you today to pray and ask God to reveal any lies that you are believing that could be holding you back in any areas from all that he has for you. Then ask him for the truth in those areas. Study that in your Bible. Truth is powerful. Jesus declared the truth of God's word as a response when he was being tempted by the devil, and we can do the same. We can set these lies up and give them authority over us. When we choose to submit to them, we'll be in bondage to it. But when you recognize the lies you're believing, choose to repent, 
submit to God, give him the authority over it, that area and over your life. You might be telling yourself now that it sounds too easy, but you don't know my situation. God can't set me free. If this is what you're telling yourself, that, oh, this sounds too easy, this is not going to work, you don't know my situation, God can't set me free, then I would say that that's the lie that you're believing. The way out is when you choose to believe and declare the truth of God's word that Jesus has set you free. Like it says in his word, he has already set us free and we are free indeed. Repent of the lie that you have been believing and ask God to be in charge of that area of your life. Then declare the truth over yourself in that area each time the lie tries to present itself. We have a weapon. We are given a sword, which is the word of God. It's powerful and effective for tearing down strongholds. The truth of God's word is living and active. Whatever we need, whether material, emotional, or spiritual, God is sufficient to meet our needs. He enables us to do all things through him, and that includes all difficult things. Another tactic of the enemy that the Bible talks about is condemnation. Condemnation is an enemy strategy that prevents us from being close to God. If you're feeling condemned, it will keep you from receiving the mercy of God when you mess up, even though the Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. You won't draw close to God to receive his love because you won't feel like you deserve it. Be wise to this one. The Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Declare that over yourself if you do something to disobey God and if you're feeling guilt, shame, or condemnation. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is different from condemnation. Conviction enables you to recognize an action that's in disobedience to God and motivates you to approach Him to ask for forgiveness. The condemnation is from the enemy, and that says that since you have disobeyed God, you should avoid him because you've disappointed him and you're not wanted in his presence. This is a lie. We have never been made right with God based on our own merit, but because of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So sincerely repent. Receive God's mercy. Make proper amends with others if you have hurt someone else, of course, if that's needed, but then let it go. Another tactic of the enemy is having unforgiveness. It can open a door to the enemy's schemes. Paul instructs the church in 2 Corinthians 2 to forgive. He said he forgives also so that the enemy would not take advantage of them because they are not ignorant to his schemes. In 1 Chronicles 21.1, it says, Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. The enemy might also try to incite you to do something. Being incited is to be urged to act in an unlawful way. And this can come through a person being used to try to convince you to do the will of Satan or through your own thoughts. So it's important 
to monitor what you put into your minds, to guard your hearts and your minds. If you're consistently listening to lies projected by the enemy through different world outlets like television, music, negative influences in your life, you're going to start believing it and you could fall into deception, sin, or bondage. Lies can be subtle. It can be just a, a seed of doubt that's planted. Like the enemy said to Eve, you won't surely die. There is a reason the Bible says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Our thoughts are where most of the warfare occurs. Some evil thoughts might be your own flesh, but the enemy can and does frequently try to incite us through our thoughts. I've even had a thought in first person once that I recognized as being clearly from the enemy, starting with I am. Ephesians 4.27 says, And give no opportunity to the devil. Set your mind on the things of God. And in Matthew 16.23, this is Jesus speaking to Peter, but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You can set your mind. You can choose what to think about and take authority over harmful thoughts. You can't always control what pops into your head, but you can choose to not dwell on it. There is a conspiracy against God's people, but we are not helpless. There are a few more things that we can do. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're giving instructions on how to put on the armor of God, and I encourage you to read over that as well. These are things that we can and need to do so that we can be aware and not fall prey to the enemy's snares. But it's not all dependent upon us. Thank God. We can also be assured that God protects us and fights for us. In Psalm 31:20, it says, You hide them in the secret place of your presence from, from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Romans 16.20 says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So do I believe that there is a grand conspiracy of the enemy trying to destroy humanity? Yes. However, C.S. Lewis said that we often err either by ascribing too much or too little power to the father of lies. I don't want you to dis- to ascribe too much power to the father of lies, but be aware of his schemes so that you don't fall prey to them. Resist the enemy. Stand firm in your faith. Know that you're not in it alone. God protects his people and he fights for us. He will crush your adversary under your feet. We have confidence that God has all authority and all power belongs to him. He is sovereign as well. God is in charge 
and he will have the final say. All blessing and honor and glory and power belong to him. I hope that you've been blessed by this and have some thoughts around how to guard yourself from this conspiracy. Thank you for listening today. If you have been impacted by this in any way, if you have any questions, or if you would like us to pray for you, please do get in touch. You can email us at office at haddingtonelamchurch.com. God bless. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.